0: Good evening, this is Melinda Russell with Women in Motorsports. I'm coming to you live from Kalamazoo, Michigan. We had a couple of little tech problems at the beginning, but here we are ready to go. Before we get started tonight, I wanted to be sure that I mentioned, right after this show is the Compact Weekly show from, I believe it's from 8 to 9.15 or 9.30. And then tomorrow night, uh, Twist Talk Live is gonna be on their normal time from 7 to around 8 or so. And then at 8.30, there's going to be a special edition of Twist Talk. It's going to be a a session of sharing our memories of our good friend Ben Raber that we lost last week. Um, It is not a show for children, I'll just be frank. Um, a lot of the stories that are going to be told are probably more on the adult theme side. Um, ben lived his life to the fullest and we all have a lot of fun memories, but they might not always be what you want your children to listen to. So join us tomorrow night at 830 uh, and share stories if you have any about Ben or just listen in. So the show tonight is being brought to you by the International Women's Motorsports Association. And one of my guests tonight, or my guest tonight, is Liz Pristella. Elizabeth, or Liz as we call her now that we've made friends with her, is a tire specialist for a race car team. I'm gonna let her tell you more about that, but we interviewed her in one of our previous editions of our magazine, our online magazine, And anybody that is a member of the International Women's Motorsports Association can go to our website, IWMNation.com, and you can read all the past issues of the magazine. So uh, get on there and become a member. You can join yearly or you can pay monthly, and uh, we're offering lots of new things. We've got new t-shirts in now, members get a discount. And we've got more things coming, so be sure you go to our website, iwmanation.com. So um, Liz, I I know you're on there, so say hello so I can I know you can hear me.
1: Hey everyone out there.
0: Hi Liz, so um, I wanna tell you a little bit about how I actually met Liz. It was, I saw her name come across Facebook. It's an old story, I know, but that's how I've met some amazing women, and Liz is just one of them. So I reached out to her a few months ago and asked her if we could do a story about her in the magazine, which I said we did. And then last weekend, or um, this past weekend when we were at MIS, it's almost gonna be two weeks now, I actually was able to connect with Liz, meet her in person, and learn a whole lot more about what she does. She downplays a little bit. Uh, She's a tire specialist, but the things that she does and the responsibilities that she has Are amazing. We got a tour of her garage. She took us into the trailer where they, um, the hauler, where they have all their equipment and spare parts and it was amazing and we were so excited that she took the time to do that for us. So Liz, uh, welcome to the show and the first thing I'm going to do is just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. You know, where you were raised, where you live, how old you were when you got interested in racing.
1: I'm Liz Prestel. I grew up in Lake Tahoe, California. It's kind of an arena for people that haven't been in that area before. It's a beautiful lake that grew up on the water in the mountains. And I always grew up working on cars with my dad and being around my grandpa, who was really big into cars. Both my grandparents were. So I grew up just around cars with my parents. And then we also were big fans of racing. So when I was about 12, they decided I was old enough for the family to go to a NASCAR race. And we went to, I guess, we call it Fontana, but the local track in LA was my first race I went to. We took the train out there and as soon as I got there, I was hooked on it forever. So I always made a point to watch races with my family. It was just our family tradition was going to the track, watching racing. And that's just how I grew up was being such a big fan, even though NASCAR is not as big in California, I still grew up with that deep passion for cars and racing. So when I was about 14 and 15, I told my parents I wanted to get an auto shop because I was getting ready to learn how to drive and I wanted to be able to work on the cars. And just learning how to work on them made me have such a bigger passion for being in racing. So by the time I was 16, 17, I was signed up to go to Universal Technical Institute and do the NASCAR program, which involved moving two thousand miles away from my family as soon as I turned eighteen. And that's what I did. Three months after I turned eighteen, I was gone. My parents moved me out to North Carolina, no one around that I knew. I just started on my own, did the vocational school. I when I first got out I had a hard time getting into racing because I just didn't have a lot of hands-on experience. So I ended up changing oil. I was a service advisor. I kind of bounced around on different odd mechanical jobs. And when I was 23, 24, I got an internship with Jennifer Joe Cobb truck team. She has the 10 truck and the zero truck. And I started out just doing whatever they needed, mostly interiors because I was the smallest person. So it was easier for me to get in and out of the truck. I could fit in her seat. So they were a big fan of that. <laughs> and they taught me how to do decals. And I just absorbed everything that they taught me and was able to build up enough knowledge to where I could move further on in my career.
0: And so you started with Jennifer Jo Cobb and then where did you go after that and where are you working now?
1: I went to Excalibur Pit School and I learned how to be a better tire changer and I was there for about six months. I stayed there for several years, kind of off and on on the side, but for six months all I did was change tires and I got connected with Derek Cope, his shop was attached to the pit school at the time. So I would go over there and I'd help him on the weekend just as a mechanic. And then I'd change tires. And through Derek, I met Jay Robinson. He owns Premium Motorsports, which is the 15 and the 55. Back then it was 87 with Joe Nemechek. Mm-hmm. And Jay was like, well, can you come change tires for me on the cup car? So I went over, started changing tires for him. And he was like, well, I need someone to do tires for me. Can you learn how to do it? So... I learned how to do tires.
0: Yeah. That
1: was kind of a thrown into it.
0: Right, but it was still kind of a progression because you knew early on that's kind of what you wanted to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But as in really any career, you kind of start at the bottom and you show that you're worthy and you work yourself up. So tell tell the listeners now uh, what you do and what race teams you work for.
1: I'm the tire specialist for the 37 Chevy of Chris Buescher with JTG Doherty Racing. This weekend, we're sponsored by Maxwell Max Coffee. We have Kroger as our primary sponsor.
0: Okay. So one of the things, Liz, that we're going to talk about is the sponsorship and how that works. And if there's some things you can't share, that's okay. But if you could share with our listeners some of what you told me when I was talking to you because I, obviously we see those sponsors on the car, yeah. but I don't never really thought about exactly how that all works. So would you want to share with us a little bit about that?
1: Our team it has a commitment with the Kroger grocery chain, which they're one of the largest grocery chains in the US. They own Harris Teeter, there's a Smith, there's Ralph's, there's a Marlowe's, I think that's the pronunciation of it. I think that's a Midwest store and through Kroger we're able to get all the other ones Kroger kind of has a package deal with us where they can sell in caps for additional sponsorship for us so we they work with us to be able to sponsor both our cars and we also have bam advertising which is a racing advertising company so part of them is they they go through bam to get sponsorship for other teams so you can go to bam and they can help you get sponsorship and advertising
0: Right. And so do they mostly work with larger race teams, the BAM advertising, or do they work with like ARCA and, you know, Xfinity and, and even like lower teams, or is it mostly cups, cup teams?
1: Well, BAM actually just started about two months ago. Tad, one of the owners of JTG, he was a big part in starting that because he wanted to be able to express to everyone what he knows about advertising. He originally worked for Procter and Gamble for probably 15 years and that's where he got a lot of his advertising background. So he recently started that to be able to help other teams get the advertising and the sponsorship that they needed. I believe anyone can go and go to their website and find out more information on it. I'm still kind of learning about it since they just recently started it up.
0: Okay, all right, awesome. So besides Kroger then, what are some of the other uh, people that you sponsor, or that sponsor your team?
1: We have Scott's Products, Kleenex, Bush's Baked Beans, they do about eight to 12 races a year with us. We have Louisiana Hot Sauce. They're also another main company that we work with. We have Clorox Maxwell Max, which is the higher caffeine Maxwell coffee. Then there's Sarah Lee. We have Healthy Choice. We have a lot. It's hard for me to a remember lot. all of them. Yeah.
0: When I saw you, you were sponsored by Scott's.
1: Yes, and our very bright pink shirts.
0: Very, very cool bright pink shirts. I could find you, uh, your team, from anywhere that I was standing because they really stuck out. And the car was really cool looking too with the, the hot pink and I think orange. And
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, I know that every week your cars wrap wrapped differently. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how that works?
1: every week since our sponsorship changes we have a primary car and a backup car and our backup car for us it's kind of a mule we run it for majority of the year as like our primary intermediate like we have a separate speedway backup and a separate road course backup just because those cars are built different
0: but Mm -hmm. since ours
1: is pretty much a generic backup we take it out every week we take the wrap off of it clean it up switch the setup over and then it gets rewrapped so usually by like our hollow will get back usually Monday by Tuesday afternoon to Wednesday morning. It's already wrapped with a different paint scheme.
0: Okay. And and obviously, you know way ahead what those are going to be. So the guys that do that, they have that all ready to go. The car comes back. They wrap it. And they get it ready. Yes. So um, I know I I was – I mean, it's again, it's just things that the normal race fan doesn't think about. I watch a lot of cup races, but I never really thought that much about how that all works. Um. so the backup car is also wrapped to match is that correct
1: for most teams it is some of the lower budget teams don't do it because wraps can get expensive if you're having to rewrap it all the time but for us ours is always matches our primary that when we pull it out of the trailer it's got the right sponsorship on it like when we go mm-hmm. out west since we're out there for three weeks what we'll typically do is we wrap but whatever the last race of our three week one is which is usually Fontana that paint scheme goes on the car first, and then we wrap the Phoenix paint scheme over it, and then the Vegas paint scheme over top. So as we're swapping out, we're also pulling that wrap off. So it's got the correct sponsor on it.
0: Oh, now that's cool. And it doesn't, the one wrap on top doesn't stick to the one underneath. I mean, like pull it off or anything.
1: It sticks a little bit. It's more of a gentle skill to get them to come apart without messing up the other one. And depending on how hot it is, makes it a little bit harder, because when that vinyl gets really hot, they get really hard to pull apart.
0: Oh, I would think so. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd want that job. That, that'd that be a little tedious to do that.
1: It usually yeah. takes about an hour to an hour and a half to
0: do. Okay.
1: And your fingers hurt a lot by the end of it.
0: Oh yeah, I would think so, yeah. So don't sign up for that job. So Liz took us uh, back into the garage area. Now, I'm a woman, and I don't get really all that excited about toolboxes. But when I was telling my husband about the toolbox that you showed us, he was like, wow, that's really cool. He wishes he could have seen it. And I did have Jeremy and TK Boyd with me. And I, I thought, I don't know, Jeremy was about ready to cry. He was so excited about the toolbox. So tell us a little bit about the toolbox and why what makes it different than you know the one in the garage? Because it's pretty cool.
1: Well ours was actually custom built at MWR Racing when they were still open. It was one of the MWR built three toolboxes. The 42 and the one have the other two that are identical to ours. So they've got a lot of bells and whistles in them. They're made out of composite boards. they're a lot lighter weight. We also have flip top panel that we call a sponsor panel because we have sponsor logos all over it. And we also have monitors that sit in there and overhead lights. So that's a pneumatic light panel that flips up. We have a TV monitor on one side that flips out of, there's a hatch that opens and then the monitor flips up out of that. And then on our sides, we have scale holes to put our four scales. And those actually have a electronic garage doors that open and close on those off of a switch. So our right. toolbox is a little bit more fancy than some of the other guys in the garage, just because it was a custom build versus mm-hmm. some of the other teams that just buy nitro boxes.
0: Okay. Yeah, so so I have to tell you that she opened the drawer. Oh, she opened several of the door, drawers and showed us, and every every um tool, every piece of equipment was exactly where it was supposed to be. It, most men's toolboxes do not look like the one that you pulled those drawers out. It was amazing. The one drawer that had all the little like the little ends of the screwdrivers in it. Yeah. Oh my gosh and they're all by size and it was honestly really cool for a woman who likes to be organized I love that part of it every every drawer in the toolbox was for a specific reason you know they have office supplies they they have tons of extra things that they think they might need out on you know pit road when the car comes in and there's a problem Um, yeah it was very cool I'm gonna have to try to get Jeremy to put some pictures up that he took so then, if that wasn't enough, what she did for us, then she invited us to go to the hauler. So Liz, why don't you tell the listeners about the hauler and what you carry in there and, and you know what, what's the purpose of that hauler?
1: Our hauler is pretty much like our garage for the weekend, like it's our shop for the weekend. We can keep any spare parts we need in there. We've got spare engines, we've got our fire suits, our radios, it's like our campsite we can completely function every week out of just our hauler in our toolbox. And that's how we have our hauler stocked. So we'll, our backup car is in the top of it. The way that those haulers are set up is the top is open for two cars. So the backup car sits behind the primary car and it goes out on the lift gate and we drop it down. That's how we unload it. And our fuel cans for our race actually sit above our backup car. They hang from the ceiling. And then we also have an attic space in front of that where we can keep more parts. Like we've got spare sides to our bodies. That way, if we ever, have damage you need to fix the body side we can go in our hauler and get one of those all our fire suits are kept in their radios we've got a whole like kitchen area we've got fridges microwaves coffee maker because we got to have a maxwell coffee and we've yeah. got full food cabinets that we've got like light snacks because we're catered through cat's kitchen she cooks for a good majority of the teams in the garage so she cooks for us every week so we only really have to have snacks and quick food in our hauler And then as you go towards the front of our hauler, we have more parts. We have an engine cabinet. That's just for spare engine parts. We have a whole rear suspension cabinet. We've got a whole front suspension cabinet. We have a cabinet full of decals because those change frequently. Mm -hmm. And then we have our shocks and our springs. We have enough shocks and springs in our hauler usually to do like 18 different setups just to make sure we've got enough. And we also have a shock dyno. So if we decide we want to do something different with our shocks, we can build a different shock on site.
0: Wow! Wow! And then there was a look like there was a little area where there was a TV and probably a a couch or something. We didn't go up in there, but uh, it's it was totally when you walked in, it was amazing the things that were in there. There. Um. Again, things that you don't think about, Liz. You know, we just we come to the race and there's the car and it goes around the track and. I think people that love racing really don't think about what all goes into it to get that car on the track, to keep it on the track, and to get it then ready for the next race. I think that's what impressed me the most, um, really, about the things that you shared with us because, um, one, you're a very intelligent young lady and you know way more about cars and things than a lot of men I've talked to, no offense guys. But, um, just the, the amount of equipment that you have spare parts, the money that's tied up in that. Uh, I couldn't even guess how much that was, you know. Um, and then we came out, we were, we were looking around and then we ran into the driver, Chris Busher. He was eating lunch in the hauler. So we interrupted him for just a couple minutes and got a picture, which he was super gracious about that. Um, so. so- Tell me what's your very favorite part about being a part of a NASCAR team? What's the thing you love the most?
1: That's hard to say because I love the teamwork and the camaraderie we have amongst ourselves, but I also love getting to see the little kids in the garage with smiles and seeing all the fans just so excited to be there. That's a lot to me because I remember when I was little going to the track and being so overwhelmed and so excited and being able to see all that stuff. So the fans are a lot of it for me, just because I enjoy seeing their joy out of what we're doing.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I, I, I agree with that. The people that were in the garage area when you took us there, there were a lot of kids and you know, as a little kid to see their favorite race car driver or even his empty garage would be a big deal. I mean, I, I just, I, I agree with you and it really, Hey, how excited was Jeremy and I? We were pretty excited about all the stuff, and you know, I'm a I'm a mama and he's a he's a dad, so it's not just the little kids. We were we were pretty excited to get the tour and and learn everything that we did. So I I on the comments here, there's a Jean Pristella and she says, "Is Liz excited to race near her hometown in California?"
1: That's my mom. I figured. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Hi, mom. <laughs> She's so, actually gonna be
1: at the race this weekend with me.
0: She my will. Mom, my
1: dad, my middle sister, and then her boyfriend will be at the race with us. So it's always nice to be able to go to California and get to see my family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, and I'm sure they are excited to have you come there. So do you get home very much, mostly probably in the off season? Or how? what do you do when they're not actually racing?
1: Typically I get, we do Thanksgiving and Christmas. We try to do together. We'll alternate years because it's such a long haul for me to get out to California. So every other year we do Christmas in California, which this year will be Christmas in Tahoe. So me and my sisters will all go to my parents' house. We'll have Christmas together. And then next year, my parents might come to me or I'll go meet one of my other sisters. But we try to alternate the holidays just to make it easier on all of us. And that way we can also, like my older sister can go see her in-laws that she's got a new nine-month-old baby, so Uh everyone's trying to fight the time to get to see the baby.
0: Right, yeah. So you were 18 years old, and your, your parents knew what your passion was, and so they helped you, I'm assuming, find the schools, or maybe you did that, and you move all the way across the country. How was that for you at 18, and how was it for your parents to have you that far away?
1: it was definitely challenging but it was kind of a culture shock for me because i grew up in california so i was used to how california was and the south is very different mm-hmm. it's different in a good way but it's very different from where i grew up so it was kind of an adjustment to just the different environment i was in plus tahoe doesn't have the humidity we have in north carolina so mm-hmm. i had to adjust to that for sure but it was more of just learning to be on my own and be independent my parents raised us to be very independent and rely on only ourselves, and that just kind of helped me be able to stand on my own being in North Carolina by myself.
0: So did you have any, I'm going to kind of pick your brain here, did you have any time that you ever thought, this isn't for me, girls don't, I, I was wrong, girls can't do this, or did you always know that you were just as capable as anybody else?
1: I always knew that I was just as capable, like, I had moments where I had hard times just with dealing with the adversity and dealing with the guys that were kind of stuck in the old-fashioned way that weren't really accepting of me. So sometimes it was hard to get past those barriers that were put just with people I worked with, but I knew that this is what I wanted to do and no one was going to stop me, because if I gave up and I went back to California and I stopped working and racing, then they win. So I was always very determined to... Keep going regardless because it just shows them that I could do it no matter what they think about me.
0: Exactly. That's and you know, that's it's one thing for girls to be the driver. I mean, you know, we see that more and more and more. Um, when I started this association, I knew there were women in motorsports, but honestly, I had no idea. And all the women and all the different jobs that they, I would find that they did. I, I would have never thought I would meet a tire specialist. Okay, so the, the fact that you said no, I'm going to do this, but I would think it'd be a little tougher to break into those kind of jobs, or maybe even a crew chief one day. We'll see a woman be a crew chief, or, or what? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good, smart women that could do those jobs so what just give me some perspective about where you see women in motorsports in the future
1: well there is Andrea she's the head engineer on the 12 car for Penske she used to work at NASA she's one of the most brilliant women I've ever met and I could see her being a crew chief very soon she's very intelligent she knows what she's doing and she's very controlled over the people that she work with. They listen to her, that if she tells them to do something, they don't question it, they do it. So I could see her being a crew chief here shortly. And I see a lot more women coming up through the ranks and learning and I think that the more that, like I'm able to speak out and Lisa that works over at Hendrick, the more we're able to talk to people is helping other women understand that they can do it and they don't have to have certain degrees, they don't have to have certain things. I actually had a girl that works in the truck series Come up to me and ask me if she had to be an engineer to be able to do tires in the cup side. I was like, "No, you don't have to be an engineer. We have engineers that handle the engineering stuff. You just have to be passionate, and work and work hard." And that kind right. of surprised her that you don't have to have an engineering degree to do tires.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners what what exactly is it that you do? You don't. You're not the person that jumps over the wall and puts the tire on. What is it that you do behind the scenes that people probably haven't watched for but now that we've interviewed you now i watch for it more because i know so tell them what you do behind this behind the pit lane
1: normally what we do is we get all our tires pre-mounted before we get to track we don't see them until we actually get to the track so when we get there we bring them all over to wherever we're going to be set up it's like our the tire we call it tire land or the tire pile where we all kind of have our designated areas where we do our tires. So once we get all our tires wherever we're working, we go through, mark them all. We get, mark all the wheel weights, mark what the date codes are, the mold number. We get all the information off of them, put it into our computer. We also measure the stagger. We measure tread wear so we know the tires are new. That way when we put them on the car and run them, we can scrape that old rubber off and then we can check them again so we know how much the tire is wearing and that will tell us how the car is handling. So okay. we kind of, that's just the start of the day. Once I get all of that type in the computer, I go in the hauler with my team. I put them in my own set. Some teams or engineers do it just depending on the preference of the crew chief. So once I get everything in my sets, I show it to the crew chief. Trent tells me, yeah, you know, that's good. That's good. Or he says switch those two. That's kind of funky looking. So I'll change them around. And then once he approves the sets, he gives me air pressures. We get a game plan together for a practice qualifying, we get a game plan kind of for the weekend. And since mm-hmm. I've worked with him for a year and a half now, I kind of, I know how to read his brain. So it's pretty easy for us now just cause I know his routine and know how he likes things. So once all that's done, I go back out to my tire pile. I put all my tires in sets based off what we did on the computer. And then I set all the pressures in them and get them lined up for practice. And that's usually within the first two and a half hours of the garage opening. So I'm moving pretty quick at that point. Yeah. And then once practice, about 10, 15 minutes before practice starts, I'm at the car setting the tires to go out on the track, putting the valve caps on and make sure they're all good to go, make sure everything's torqued, they're all in the right place. So I kind of micro-check everything myself. I know my guys are good and they know what they're doing and they put them in the right spot, but kind of a self-check for myself is make sure that they're in the right place. Mm-hmm. And once I do that, then we go practice. And Thanks. Every time the car comes in the garage, I check the tire pressure again, write it all down, I show Trent, I show our engineers that way they can see how the car is handling because the tires will build a certain way and there are certain pressure ranges that are ideal for those tires. So they'll say, you know, this is the ideal grip range and this is the ideal endurance range you want your air pressure to be at. So we'll kind of adjust them as we go and I do that through all our practices. Same thing with qualifying. I give them a special set of tires for qualifying. I measure the wheels in those to make sure we have high and low spots or marked, So we know how it needs to go through LIS, which is the Hawkeye. It measures all the setup on the car. That way it tells us whether we're legal or not. Okay. And then we go, out once we get through tech, we go to the starting grid for where qualifying is and 10 minutes before qualifying, they let us adjust our tires. So I'll go out there, I'll set the tires for qualifying, cap them. And we wear helmets in qualifying just because there's two people out on the active side of hit road with the cars are moving and the cars are backing up. So I'll get my helmet on, get my radio on and then we'll qualify every time he comes in for qualifying. I check the air, show it to Trent. Trent gives me adjustments. We adjust it so we can go back out and make another run. Same thing, with practice the next day, but after qualifying, we get our race sets, which yep. it varies every weekend from six to 13 sets of tires. So I'll bring them back over to my pile, do the same thing I did with the other ones, measure them, mark them, get all the information off of them, type them in the computer and get them in sets. And you, I do that throughout the day on Saturday, as whenever I have time. And that's in between usually two practices. And as we do practice, I, when the tires come off the car, I wear them. So I can show Trent, he can see how the car is handling based on the wears. So I kind of run in circles all weekend. Yeah. yeah. And by the end of Saturday, all my stuff's in sets, ready to go. The guys have the start set on the car. They're ready to scale it. Sunday morning comes. I get the tire, I check the tires one more time before I give them to our pit crew. And they take them out to pit road. And I usually won't see them again until race time because they're going to glue them up and prep them for pit stops. And I'll roll through tech with my guys, make sure the tires are at tech pressure because NASCAR gives us a tech pressure you have to roll over with and that's to make sure that all the camber readings are consistent. So it's a plus or minus half pound on just the air pressure going through tech. Okay? Like this weekend it's 3030 30 because it's a road course. So we have right side tires on both sides of the car. Okay. But some weekends it's 3045, others it's 3060, just depends on where we're at. So I also have to keep up with what the tech pressure is. And once I finish tech, we get the car out on the starting grid, get it all tucked away. We go back, eat, get in our fire suits, go back out to pit road. And 10 minutes before the race, we're allowed to do adjustments, set our tires. We do the National Anthem and check them again, and then I go to the pit box for the race. And I, as the race goes, I'm checking the tires, make sure the ones on the wall are good, make sure the ones two back are good. I'm doing wares in between, sending notes up to my crew chief and engineer, letting them know what's going on down with the tires. So I do a lot of circles.
0: You do do a lot of circles. and. You know, we had a really, uh, let's face it, we had a crappy weekend at Michigan with all the rain. Yeah. But once the, the race, you know, we, we, were we were watching you from up, up above, above, Jeremy and TK and I and some of our friends. And you don't ever sit down. You are no. constantly checking the tires, doing this, you know, talking to the other guys. We were watching you when we were watching the race. I know you didn't know that, but we were right above, almost right above your head. So um, yeah, I don't know what, what you guys out there that are listening think, but I am so impressed with this young woman and I know that we've made friends for life because we just we had a great weekend and I'm gonna see her again in Chicago. So um, Liz, I need to tell you, let's see, I've got some messages for you. Mm-hmm. From Dustin Ambergy said, she's amazing, I'm so proud of her, so that's cool. Uh, Larry Richardson is the tech guy here on our show, and he said uh, pre-wrapped race cars. That's fascinating. Makes you look at cars a lot differently now, not knowing what they could be hiding under the surface. That's a that's a cute, cute remark. And then your mom says, "And on the west coast, you get fresh fruit snacks. Your mom's going to take good care of you." Yes, Liz, you always brings your- this fruit? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Jeremy wanted to tell you. He says, hi, Liz, I'm watching TK play softball tonight, but she wanted me to say hi to you. So there's your little buddy TK. Uh, TK. Yeah, and uh, she's gonna be at Chicago as well. So we'll be in Chicago and we'll make sure we we uh, come and see you again there. So, um, you know, once the race is over, then what happens to all those tires?
1: They all go back to the Champion trucks. Champion is a company that we can all the NASCAR teams have a contractor where they transport all our wheels and tires and a lot of our equipment, like our pit boxes, our pit road carts, some of our generators, our nitrogen and tire carts, stuff that won't fit in our haulers mm-hmm. champion transport. So we have a contract them. So we, they all get loaded back in a big, I couldn't even tell you how big those trailers are, but 52 foot, I believe every tire on pit road goes back in there and they get brought to the champion warehouse in Cornelius. They get dismounted, the wheels get washed and put back in our inventory, and those tires usually will get scrapped. They get turned into playground mulch sometimes, sometimes get turned to asphalt. Whoever is in a need for ground-up rubber usually is where those tires end up. Yeah. Any sticker tires we have left go into an inventory warehouse champion holds for us. Our team's allowed up to 600 tires just in our inventory. And it depends on how many cars you have and to what your contract is, as to how many stickers you can keep in inventory.
0: Okay, so how does it, how do you decide, I'm gonna, I've got time for a couple questions yet. How do you decide, or who decides how many sets of tires? What is that based on? Sometimes you have six sets, you said, sometimes 13. Is it because of the roughness of the track you're at or the length of the track, what is it that decides that?
1: It's NASCAR and Goodyear decides it, and our NASCAR rule book is a tire allocation form. And that tells us the breakdown for each week, how many tires we're allowed to have for practice, qualifying race, our total allotments. And that's NASCAR provides that after discussing with Goodyear, how they think the tires will last. Like if we're at a track that's really rough, like Darlington, Darlington's a really rough track. We get 13 sets of tires just for the race there. So for the total weekend, we're going to have 17 to 18 sets of tires just for Darlington. And that's because of how rough that track is. The tires wear out faster. So Uh they have to make sure they give us enough tires to get through the race without running out of tires.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so then it, you know, on a, on a six set day, that's like an easy day and a 13 set day is like, you're going crazy. Yeah.
1: Usually Atlanta and Darlington are very rough weekends for us. And the 600 we get, I believe we had 12 sets of tires for the 600 and Usually by the end of Saturday, once we're done doing our race sets, every tire person's like, oh, my back hurts, just because it's a lot of work.
0: Right, so do you, on those days when you have, or those weekends that you have so many more tires, is there somebody else that like helps you do that job, or are you still, you're you're the gal, you're the one that has to get it done?
1: It's typically just me. What will happen occasionally, if we have two truck drivers at the track, or one of my engineers isn't busy, they'll help me run the tires from Goodyear, Over to where I'm working, just kind of help me out a little bit, so I'm not as worn out. Like Charlotte, the where Champion and Goodyear set up is a good distance from where I work, so one of my engineers helped me get my 12 sets over that way. I wasn't killing myself because it was already a 12-hour day. So they can all help you get them over there, and it's like that's kind of what the compromise is. If it's something where we're really short on time, they give us extra tires. There's hard to get them all done. One of my engineers will come over and help me get my stuff done. But that's usually the only time is if we've got extra tires or they cut our time down and we won't be able to get stuff done. Cause typically we can do four to five sets in two and a half hours, two to two and a half. So we know our ballpark time frame on when we can get stuff done. And if we know it's near impossible, like if they say, Oh, you're getting 10 sets of tires in three hours.
0: Not gonna that's happen. usually
1: when an engineer comes over and helps us out just to make it a little easier on us.
0: Okay. okay. Awesome. awesome. So, um, Liz, I don't have any more, I mean, I got a lot of questions for you, but we could talk for hours. I know we spend a lot of time at the track, and I'll be seeing you at Chicago as well. But, um, wow, I don't know what you listeners out there think, but I know that when I met this young lady, I I did the story on her in the magazine, and I thought, wow, you know, that's pretty cool, that's uh, amazing, It, it wasn't, It didn't touch anything to what she actually does when you watch her in real life and she shows you how big those tires are Liz is not a very big girl but she's got some (laughs) muscles she shared shared that she doesn't have to work out very much because the workout is on the weekends at the races so um, any last words that you want to share Liz before we have to get off here any
1: girls or women that are watching i want them to know that if they want to do it they just have to set their mind to it and don't listen to the haters and the negativity just do what you do and always be who you are don't try and change yourself for other people because you're never going to be happy like that always be who you are and follow your passions
0: that's excellent advice and yeah let's mention real quick we got a we got a minute or two here you've got a clothing line that you're working on why don't you plug that a little bit and then tell people how they can uh follow you either on facebook and then uh, about your clothing line
1: my clothes line is torque which i got my shirt on here it's uh, does women's workwear so it's workwear designed with the feminine twist and that's for all women mechanics drivers anyone in the automotive field that's a woman we have a really hard time finding clothes that fit us i especially have that problem i at my own shop at, at jtg we have button-up shirts we have to wear and they're not their men's sizes are really uncomfortable. So I started a clothing line that's designed for women's work where I came out with a pair of pants. It's getting ready to go into production and hopefully soon I will have those for sale. And they're designed for a woman's body to be able to work on a car. It's very hard finding pants that actually hold up for what we do. So I wanted to do that. And once I get the pants going, I will be doing button up shirts and work shorts. And I also have shirts online that have different sayings on Like this shirt says, make your own sandwich, I'll be in the garage. Cause that's one of my favorite sayings because guys always I love it. saying go the kitchen and yeah, I've got a couple different ones. One says, not sure if that's grease or mascara.
0: Because oh, yeah. Sometimes
1: you get on your face and you don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> Cute. Yeah.
1: Then there's a love, hate relationship with gear oil. Anyone that's ever had gear oil in their hair on their clothes understands that smell is not a pleasant smell. So yeah. I tried to make it more of a fun clothing line for women in automotives because there's really not a lot us like there's also one that says the only negative thing in your life should be camber And <laughs> anyone that works on cars knows what camber is and you never yeah. want to have anything beyond negative camber in your life you don't want to let all that negativity affect you so that's kind of my positive happy right shirt.
0: awesome yeah I want one of those uh, go make a sandwich I'm in the garage that's pretty cute I ever I like that a lot so Liz, we're gonna have to get off here, but um, I think we're gonna have to do a Facebook Live or something when I'm in Chicago because I, you can just, you're so knowledgeable, and I just learn every time that I talk to you. Um, thank you so much for being on the show tonight, and I'm so glad that your name came across my Facebook feed. I don't know who or how, but I, I truly believe the Lord brings the people into my life that I need to know, and you were one of those people. So. Um, thanks so much for your hospitality at MIS and for being on the show tonight. And you can promise that uh, we'll see you in Chicago for sure.
1: Yes, and my Twitter handle is tiregirl37.
0: And okay. Instagram is
1: tiregirl. And my clothing line is torqued, it's T-O-R-Q underscore D on both Instagram and Twitter. And Facebook, you type in torqued Clothing and it'll pull it up.
0: Okay, awesome. So you gals out there that like to work on cars or drive cars, keep your eye on that because she's got some really cool stuff and she's gonna have new things coming up so um, keep your eye on this young lady we may see her doing even bigger things in the cup series and Liz I'm proud to have met you I'm proud to call you my friend and I'll see you soon
1: thank you I'll see you soon too